0: welcome to the National Capital Bible Church this morning for our service. Uh, We always take a few seconds before we begin our service for our spiritual preparation. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you unto myself that where i am you may be also and where i go you know and the way you know i am the way the truth and the life no one cometh unto the father but by me let's take a few seconds closing our eyes bowing our heads and then i'll open us in prayer Dearly Father, we're thankful for each and every day that you provide for us. Every morning that we open our eyes, it's a new day. It's a day that you have provided. And we're thankful, Father, for every heartbeat and every breath. We're also thankful, Father, for the extraordinary provisions that you have made for us they are new every day. We pray, Father, as we begin our service this morning, that we will be focused on you, not on uh, difficulties, anxieties, challenges in our lives, but we will be absorbing the truth that you have provided for us this morning. We ask for your blessing upon our service. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this morning, as we begin our service, I would like for you to turn in your Bibles to Lamentations. There's a means to my madness here. Lamentations 3. And this is a book that is written by... Jeremiah, and he is enduring the anxieties, I think you could say, we could say, of the Jewish people as they are being oppressed on the one hand, but they are being disciplined on the other. And Jeremiah is in uh, Jerusalem, and he is expressing his sorrows, his lamentations uh, regarding the the fall of Jerusalem. And we'll begin in Lamentations 3, verse 19, and this is a very familiar passage. It's a passage that uh, certainly applied. To Jerusalem, to Jeremiah, but it applies to us. It says, "Remember my affliction and roaming." And this is Jeremiah speaking uh, to God. My affliction, Joe or uh, Jeremiah, has been presenting a message to the Jews in Jer- in Jerusalem also in other parts of Judea. But he's been providing this message. But he is being either ignored or opposed, oppressed, afflicted. And he says his roaming. uh, His roaming here is his homelessness. Um, He was a prophet who would travel from Location to location, Uh, he has really no home other than that, which is provided by the Lord for him. So he says, remember my affliction and homelessness. And this is the Lord's. This is Jeremiah speaking to the Lord to. And God doesn't need to remember. But this is, of course, Jeremiah speaking to uh, the Lord. Uh, and he's asking for his blessing, really, is what this says. The wormwood and the gall, in other words, the bitterness of my experiences. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. His soul, this is Jeremiah saying how um, concerned he is for the Jewish people, for the nation. And also his, we we could say his depression, because no matter uh, what he says or his concern and love for them, they're headed in the other direction. And it's discouraging. And so that's what he's expressing. And then in verse 21, we could say, but this I recall to mind. And the, uh, this is really a hithel, and it's, he's caused to remember. God helps him, gives him uh, comfort and tranquility, even in the midst of this. This I am caused to recall to mind. Therefore, I have hope. I have an expectation for the future. I know that God is providing for me. Verse 22. Therefore the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. The mercies here is God's loving kindness. Uh, God has a loving kindness for his people. God has a loving kindness for us. And therefore... While this is directed again towards uh, the Jews, Jerusalem, the nation, uh, the application is also here for us. Uh, when we have uh, difficulties, challenges, uh, we are we are to remember, we are to recall that God uh loves us and He is faithful. Though the Lord's uh, mercies his loving kindness his faithfulness through through his that we are not consumed, and the word consumed here means to be completed. another word would be to be finished we are it, it's not over because his compassions his mercies fail not verse twenty three they are new every morning. Uh, this is a bit of a remembrance of the Israelites traveling through the wilderness. The Lord provided for them every morning. Every morning, the manna was fresh and there was as much as they wanted. Uh, of course, they were told to take only what was needed. And in our lives, uh, God provides for us. And it's not only... Uh, sufficient, but it is extraordinary, and we very often overlook it. Yes, there are hardships, there's difficulties, but God has a plan, and God has provided for us in every step of our lives. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. One of my very favorite songs here reports this Great is his faithfulness. And you may remember that this word great really has the sense of abundance. And we could very easily say that abundant is your faithfulness. It's not, uh, it is certainly sufficient, but it's abundant for us. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. And the emphasis in this verse, verse 24, is my portion. My portion is the Lord. Not the Lord is my portion, but my portion is the Lord. That's my portion. That's my part. Says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. And this word is different. It's a word that means to wait. I wait on him. Therefore I wait. I'm we could say I'm not in a hurry. I'm waiting for the Lord every now and then we are anxious. We need not be anxious. Actually that was a great place to stop because what I wanted to do this morning is to spend a bit well it'll probably end up being the entire service. But I wanted to address a topic, a subject, an event in all of our lives. And it's important for us to be prepared for this event, and that is death. It's not necessarily your death, but it can be a loved one's, a a friend, or an associate. Yesterday, I had the privilege to uh, preside preside over a, a memorial service. Everett and his family held a service, a memorial service, for their youngest brother, Stephen. Stephen Spencer was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore... He is now in heaven with his Savior. It's important for us to be prepared for the death of a member of our family or friends or, as I said, associates. And when I say prepared, I'm not referring to have a will or have specific directions for what is to occur At our death, I'm referring to the preparation of our souls. God desires for us to have a soul fortified, and I think that's the right word, a soul fortified with biblical truth and promises that instills comfort and tranquility when a death occurs. And again, we never know, or we generally do not know, when a death is going to occur. Sometimes we know the death, that a death is approaching. But more often, we do not know when death will come to take us, to take another family member, to take a friend, or someone it may be a neighbor someone that we know and that's why we misunderstand what scripture says so that our lives are not shaken by god's plan for death because death for every life comes to do, comes to that individual to us or that individual according to god's plan Yes, death follows God's plan, not some random accidental incident. God knows the date and the time of our death. And so that even if it comes as a surprise to us, we can be prepared spiritually for that death. We can be spiritually prepared, ready, so that our surprise is not a shock or grief, not debilitating. We know that we are certainly going to miss the individual uh, who was close to us, and therefore, there is <clears throat> moments of grief, of remembrance. But of course as we know that Paul says we don't grieve like those who uh, don't believe, who are not uh, in Christ. Now this morning and by the way I brought um, the program for Stephen Spencer's uh, Remembering of Life is the title here. Um, I'd like to Read his obituary, and this, as I said, was a brother of Everett, very uh, a member of the church and a friend. Uh, he was the youngest uh, of the family. Now this is uh, it was a large family, ten children, and I, I'm sure that many of us who are members of a family, we sort of expect us to depart in order. But when we uh, lose someone who is younger than we are, um, it is difficult. Stephen Lloyd Spencer was born in Alexandria, Virginia, on March 24th, 1965. He was born to the late Roger Tucker, and Bertie, male, May, McQueen, Spencer. He departed this life on April 21st, 2020, in Springfield in Silver Spring, Maryland. Steve was the youngest of 10 siblings. He graduated from T.C. William High School in 1983. He went to work with the Washington Redskins uh, Franchise until he attended a, great, a trade school for home building. Upon completion of trade school, he went to work for uh, Asil Contract Home Building. He was previously married to Sandra for 10 years. From 2014 to 2018, Stephen lived and worked in D.C. at a food, uh, at a food stand which he passionately enjoyed doing and helping in that community. His love for God was shown through his kindness and his service to others. In spite of declining health, Steve continued to smile and strive on in life. He leaves behind those to cherish his memories. His son, Jericho, which was there yesterday, um, nicknamed Rico, and his wife, Erin, grandchildren, Dashton and Eliza, siblings, Lee, Anne, Everett, Lila, Lola, Linda, Denise, and Clyde, and a host of cousins, nieces, nephews, and friends. When you have uh, ten children in family, you have extended family. Stephen was preceded in death by his older brother, Leon. Uh, one of the things I particularly liked in this program was a poem. Now, what we remember about poems is that sometimes we'll think that that's not precisely according to the Bible, but poems are not generally inspired. Matter of fact... Unless it comes from the Bible, it isn't inspired. And therefore, the poem itself is designed to elicit the emotions for the event. And this, I think, does that. And it does it well. It says, the title of this poem is I'm free. Don't grieve for me, for now I'm free. I'm following the path God laid for me. It took his hand. I took his hand when I heard him call. I turned my back and left it all. I could not stay another day to laugh, to love, to work or play. Tasks left undone must stay that way. I found that peace at close of day. If my parting has left a void, then fill it with remembered joy. A friendship shared, a laugh, a kiss. Oh, yes, these things I too will miss. Be not burdened with times of sorrow. I wish you the sunshine of tomorrow. My life's been full. I savored much. Good friends, good times a loved one's touch. Perhaps my time seemed all too brief. Don't lengthen it now with undue grief. Lift up your hearts and share with me. God wanted me now. He set me free. This morning, what I would like to do, because as I said, we We do not know the time or the day of death, whether it's ours or someone else's. Now, we can very often anticipate death approaching as we observe someone who may be ill or they may have declining health. But we still don't know time and very often not the day. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is just review for us, because this is important for us. We need to be prepared. And I'd like to work my way through about I think there's eight. Eight point eight points here on the life and death of the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I don't believe that any of these points are going to be unfamiliar. I don't believe that the passages that support them are unfamiliar. But it's important for us to review them so that our souls are fortified for the time when an unexpected death arrives or as we observe The declining life because this is God's plan. God's plan is perfect. Why should be, why should we be concerned about the approaching or future death? It's in God's hands. First of all, God created us. We are his creatures. We are his creation. And we find this in Psalm 139, which found in other pa- uh, passages. But we find it in Psalm 139 and following passages, but beginning in verse 13. God cares for us. So we are his creatures. He cares for us. God cares for us more than we care for ourselves. God cares for us more than we can care for someone else. So let's turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is a very popular psalm. David is the author. And we've studied this passage, 24 uh, 24 verses, but let's confine ourselves to verse 13 and a few that follow. Psalm 139 beginning verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. And there's much that could be said about this verse, but this is the creation of us, the beginning with the fertilization the embryo through the fetus and birth. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame, my bones, my skeleton was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Lamentations 3:22 through 23 we have read. I wanted to start the message with that passage, so we understand that God's mercies uh, are uh, come to us every day. Therefore, He cares for us. God cares for us. Secondly, God ordained the days of our lives. Psalm 139:16. I stopped short in verse. 15, but you'll notice in verse 16 it says, your eyes, your knowledge, and I'll let you catch up here a little bit as you take your notes, God ordained the days of our lives. God, I, I think this is a an extraordinary, we could call it a promise, but a bit of information that God Has numbered our days. And not only did he number our days. But he knows each day. He knows what's going to happen. In our lives. Every day. And therefore. He knows what we need every day. And he knows. Precisely what he's going to do so it's not just simply that well god knows we're going to live so many days 20,000 days 30,000 however long it is but god knows each one of those days he has designed every day for us our needs and his provisions so psalm 139:16 your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And the eyes of God is his knowledge. Uh, he knows. He knows because he has provided it. My substance yet being unformed. And in your book, they are all written. And you say, they, what is they? Well, the next part of this uh, verse says, the day is fashioned for me. I use the word ordained here, But we could also use the word fashioned. They are fashioned for me. When as yet they were none of them. In other words, long before we existed, God knew us. He knew he was going to create us. He knew the length of our days, meaning the length of life. But he also knew each and every day, how important they were to us. And they're more important to him. So God ordained the days of our lives. God established the beginning and the end of our lives and our days. Point three, daily, God gives to all people life and breath. God creates us where we are important to him. And he provides for us breath and life. Now, God didn't create us and then just ignore us. He provides for us all that we need in our lives. He provides our breath. And that's why, And again... Maybe I'm unusual. Well, yeah, I am unusual. That's for certain. But we rarely think that every breath comes from God. Are we thankful for the next breath and the next breath? It's important for us to remember this. When you awaken in the morning, even before you can open your eyes. How many times does that happen? You're awake and you just can't get my eyes open god has awakened you and when you finally are able to wake to open your eyes it's another day it's a day that god has provided for you and you're breathing your heart is pumping and hopefully your brain the synapses there are functioning and you're saying i don't want to get up acts We've studied the book of Acts, and we studied this passage, Acts 17. Paul was speaking to the Gentiles, to the Greeks, and he's speaking to them about God. They worshipped a multitude of gods. Matter of fact, we believe that there was probably more idols in the city of Athens than any other buildings. And they even worshiped the unknown God. And Paul was saying, you worship the unknown God. Let me tell you who that is. You don't know him. I'm going to tell you who this God is. And part of This God is verse, let's go to verse 26, well, 25, I said. Uh, Well, I'm going to back up to verse 24. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. God is in control of our lives. He not only gives us life and breath, but he gives us all things. It's part of his plan. I think this is an extraordinary verse. And this was what Paul was trying to teach the Greeks, the Athenians. <clears throat> Um, You worship all of these gods that you made. You made with your hands. But God is the one who made you. Might you think that he merits your worship instead of these trinkets that you can make? And you say, all right, where are we going with this? Well, this is the God who controls our lives. He is the one that, in His plan, His detailed plan of us, knows the end, the end of our lives, and He cares for us as we go through our lives. Point four: Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. You know, we think that we care about uh, loved ones, and. We are certainly concerned about their life and their death. God cares. Psalm 116. I like to go to these passages. It's easier for us to remember where they are located when we turn to them. Psalm 116, verse 15. Precious. What do we mean? By the word precious. Every now and then we'll say that a a child. uh, They're precious to us. Uh, We may say that this was a precious moment. It means it was important. We could say that it was significant. It's significant to God. It's important. Important in the sight of God. Is the death of his saints. God is aware. Of what is happening in our lives. And it is precious. To him. So we're told. That. The death. Our death. Others. Is precious in the sight of the Lord. Let's go to verse. Or point five. Point five. Paul tells us. That at death we have victory over death. Now we would think. That death. Has. Finally taken us. Some people say death. Snuck up on us. And took us out of life. Took our life. Well that's not Paul's. Position here. He says. That. Death is coming for all of us. There are very few select people who avoided death. We know that Enoch did. We know that Elijah. But that was the end of their life. And death for us is planned by God. And as it approaches it really is a joyous occasion because we're leaving this rather confined and restrictive life to go to be with our Savior, who also experienced death and then resurrection. And we, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will, ex- we will experience that as well. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. And then verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, through our faith in his sacrificial work on the cross, we have victory over death. And in reality we should anticipate it with a, a wonderful opportunity to depart this this life and meet our our Lord. Point six At death we will be face to face with our Savior. Second Corinthians five one through eight. Paul tells us that death, that at death we will be face to face with our savior. 2 Corinthians 5. Now again, we miss a loved one. But why would we deny the opportunity of that loved one to be face <clears throat> to be face to face with our savior who gave his life for us? 2 Corinthians 5. And the Apostle Paul uses figurative language as we go through these eight verses. So we just simply have to understand what he's saying. Verse 1, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. For we know that if our earthly house... Now, he's not speaking of something that was made of board or clay or whatever, bricks... If we know our earthly house, this is our human body. This is our house. We live here. We live in this house. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, these are temporary. This tent is something that's temporary. Our life is temporary. Is destroyed. We have a building from God. A house. A heavenly body. Not made with hands. Our earthly houses are made with hands. But our heavenly house is not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens. Who's in the heavens? God. God's there. And let me just add something here. If during our earthly life, we have had a close close relationship with God if it's someone that we desire to know then this is going to be an incredible event when we see our God and our Savior in heaven this should be something that we anticipate greatly eternal in the heavens for in this meaning in this human body, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. So here we are. We live in this life. And since it's not a perfect life or body any longer, we all have difficulties, grief. We groan, illnesses, but that all passes when we move through that portal of death, then why fear it? You know, every now and then I'll think about this. Not really death, but people who, um, let's say young people, death is in the far distant distance. As we mature and as we grow older, we are... Uh, aware more aware of death maybe a parent uh, a grandparent let's start with grandparents then parents and so death becomes more a, a more a, a subject that is more that is closer to us and i think that we begin to develop a fear of it an anxiety towards death but paul says Should not be so. And the closer we approach death, sometimes it is a terrifying thing. We need to be prepared for death. And we should anticipate it with joy. For in this, this human body, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation. We would say here, We anticipate our resurrection body, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed with, let's just call this the resurrection body, we shall not be found naked. You know, when we die, we're not going to be found naked. without. We'll be without our physical body, but we're not going to be found naked. For we who are in this tent, this earthly body, we groan, being burdened not because we want to be unclothed, in other words, not uh, without this human body, but further clothed, the resurrection body, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Our human life may be swallowed up by what? What life is this? This is eternal life. Our human life, our physical life is short, but our eternal life with God is forever. Verse 5. Now he who has prepared for us this very thing, this eternal life, is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. If you're a believer in the Lord the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to miss death, first of all. But secondly, you're also not going to miss death. Eternal life. Because as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been given God the Holy Spirit. And he is the pledge, the pledge from God that we have eternal life. And we will live with God forever. He is the guarantee. God the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in this body, the human body, We are absent from the Lord. Verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. What Paul is trying to say there is that we really don't know about death. We really don't know what's going to happen. But we have faith that we are going to, when this body finally dies, when it's removed, we have faith that eternal life is on the other side verse 8 we are confident yes well pleased rather to be absent from the body out of this human body and to be present with the lord to be in another place and to be the word present here can be understood as face to face it's a great passage And it should be a passage that we should read periodically to settle our souls. Verse uh, point seven, point seven, as believers, we shall see those who have died. Uh, Other believers, uh, yes, we miss them, but we're going to see them again. And we see this in first Thessalonians, which we've studied in chapter four, verse 13. As believers, we shall see those who have died when they raise, when they rise to join the Lord in the air. 1 first, 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 first Thessalonians 4. Verse 13. I, I love the way that Paul begins this passage This, uh, how he's going to teach this. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And he's not saying, I don't want you to be stupid. He's saying, I don't want you to be uh, unfamiliar with this. I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to be informed. That's what I'm going to teach you. And I do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, fellow believers, concerning those, those believers, who have fallen asleep. This is how Paul wants us to approach death. You've just fallen asleep in the physical body, but your soul and your spirit continues to live. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope, who have no, when we say hope, What we really mean is that you have an expectation of what happens at death because you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are securely held in his hand and you're going to be there not just physically but after you receive eternal life. When you enter eternal life, I guess I should say. Verse 14. For if we believe, and we do, believe, that Jesus died and rose again, then in this manner God the Father will bring him, God the Son, those who sleep in Jesus. And therefore what that tells us is that death, our soul and spirit goes to be with God, goes to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he returns at the rapture, he brings that soul and spirit with him And that's when we're going to meet him in the air. But those, but that soul and spirit from those who have already died, those who are asleep, it returns to their physical body. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. This is not something that Paul hopes or he surmises. He knows this because he got it from the Lord Jesus that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, this is his appearance, the rapture, will by no means precede those who are asleep, those who have already died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So the dead in Christ, what does that tell us? Is Paul saying that some immaterial, invisible image rises from the grave. We don't see them, but they're there. No. This is the resurrection of the physical body. And therefore, um, you might think, well, isn't that body gone? Yes. The Creator can recreate that physical body. And the soul, the Spirit, rejoins it and it rises. And as it rises, we join them. We will see them. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So you may miss someone here on earth, but you're going to be with them forever if they are another believer. And then, point eight, we are comfort. You should be comforted. We are comforted knowing we will see loved ones again. And that is verse 18. 1 Thessalonians four eighteen. Therefore, we could say for this reason. First Thessalonians four eighteen. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Another word we could use there, encourage. We should comfort others. We should encourage them. Very often in a time of uh, anxiety, of worry, of the death of a loved one. We are to comfort others. We are to encourage them. We encourage them by saying, no more pain here. No more sorrow. They're gone. Um, Maybe we've all known. I've known several people who, as they are nearing death, they are enduring pain, uh, difficulties. And they come to a point where they say, I'm ready to go. I pray that God would take me now. Take me. Because they want to end the sorrows, the pain, the agonies of this life. And they've come to that point. And they know that the Lord is going to take them. And that's the comfort here. The comfort is they're now with their Savior face to face. Now, I wanted to review this this morning because we never know when we will be faced with death. Ourselves, a loved one, a friend, or someone that we may know only uh, at a distance, but we can be a comfort. We can be an encouragement to them. And since we know the word of God, we should be encouraged by what we know about God's plan for us. And death is part of that plan that detailed plan. Let's be an encouragement. Let's be a comfort, not only in our own lives, but for others as well. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for these extraordinary promises, this remarkable information. We're thankful that death holds no fear for us. As a matter of fact, we will have victory over death and we will see our Savior. Father, we're thankful that we have a Savior, that we have been redeemed by the death of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And for anyone who may listen to this passage or listen to this message or anyone today who has not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ has not had faith in what he's done for us in his sacrificial death on the cross, his substitutionary death on the cross for us, it's very simple. We simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his work for us. It's that simple. We need not work. There's no effort on our part simply believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We have that eternal life. And death holds no does not have a hold on us. It will be victory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.